0: Hello, what's up? Welcome to the Good Theology Podcast. Once again, I'm Josh, joined by Jake Sweetman and David Campbell. Like I said, last episode, we'll be continuing our series on the I have statements of Jesus throughout the gospel. And today's episode will be about I am the light of the world. So without further ado, Pastor Jake, take it away.
1: Yeah, here we are, talking yeah. about the light of the world. Um I don't have any opening comments. Oh no, opening <laughs> yeah. comments. Okay,
0: so <laughs> should we read the scripture? Right, let's, we, it? let's read the passage. Yeah. We're, we're going to be. Yeah, you
2: guys better get your act together.
0: I was no one <laughs>
2: <un-pressibles> anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the passage we are going to be reading through will be in John chapter eight and John uh, chapter nine. I'll just read a specific verse that Jesus spoke about being the light of the world in uh, John chapter eight, and then these two will um, give the context uh, for. Uh, for this passage so john chapter 8 verse 12 uh, what jesus spoke again to the people he said i am the light of the world whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life so that is john chapter 8 verse uh, 12 and then i'll read the passage in john chapter 9 and then i'll throw it over to both of you to uh, expound on that and help us deepen our understanding and so john chapter 9 verse 5 Jesus says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And um, David and Jake will give us more context. Mm-hmm. This.
1: Yeah. Uh, I can open up, David, and as you want. But a couple of things come to mind uh, for me. Context for this is John 7, uh, going into the festival of the tabernacles, where the Jewish people were commemorating their... Tide in the wilderness. Um, They've set up these booths. Uh, I'm not mistaken, is that correct, David? They've set up booths during the Festival of Tabernacles to commemorate the tide of the wilderness and uh, how God provided for them, took care of them during that 40 years before they entered into the promised land. Um, so two themes come to mind for me during that. Number one, how uh, the, the fire of God literally led them out of egyptian slavery um and uh led them throughout their time in the wilderness uh whatever that that cloud would pick up they would pack up the tabernacle and they'd move on to the next part of the wilderness so there's a a theme there in terms of the light of god leading them guiding them god presence of god uh and the the second theme in close connection to that is the lampstand itself in the tabernacle um the, which they would light and keep lit all the time. The priests always have to supply it with fresh oil to keep it lit. Uh, and that light also signified the light of God's presence in their midst. Um, and uh, ultimately, Israel being a light unto the nations as well. Um, so those are two immediate themes that um, I think are in connection to this, given the context of um, the Festival of the Tabernacles. Um and Jesus claimed to be the light of the world, saying those that that's me. That's pointing to me. Right, I am the light of the world. I'm the light of God's presence in your midst um, and the hope of salvation to all the nations as well uh, beyond that. And then, of course, if they would all toss it over to you, certainly the first time light features in the scripture uh, is in the very beginning, just chapter 1 verse 1. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens earth and he said, let there be Light, Um, And so I think there's a connection between that and the end of the Bible as well in the book of Revelation, where there's uh, no need of any sun, for God is its light and the land is its lamp, and there'll be no night there. Um, Those two things certainly seem to connect to Jesus' claim to be a light of the world here. And there's one other theme that kind of comes to mind in connection to the Genesis 1 passage, but I'll kind of save that and toss it over to you, David.
2: Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right, Jake. Um, The theme of light, I mean, God didn't have to say, let there be darkness. There was darkness. He had to say, let there be light. God is always bringing light out of darkness, and that's what he did in, in creation. And as you rightly point out, as I always say, the... Last two chapters of the Bible and the first two chapters of the Bible are kind of like bookends. That they're oh. the beginning and end of the story, and uh, the garden and the the new garden. The only difference being in the renewed garden, which is the New Jerusalem. Um, there's there's no presence of evil, so uh, God provides light in the first. Uh, creation, and then in the renewal of creation, uh, the, the Lamb is the temple, and there's no dark, and it's, it's, it's uh, light all day. And in the middle of the story, of course, comes um, the climactic development, uh, which is the sending of God's Son into this world to change the course of history and make it possible for creation to be restored, uh, starting with us. And ending in the whole of creation being restored, and therefore it's only natural that Jesus would say, "I am the light of the world." He came into a world that that mm. uh, that was darkened because of sin, right? And when you get into the beginning of John's Gospel, the, almost the first thing that John says is, "In him was life, and the yep. light was the light of men. The light sh- the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it." So uh, that's, that's John setting the stage for this new creation that's, yeah, that's come up in, 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 in Christ. And so this theme of light and darkness plays out in the Gospel of John. And
1: I'm going to stop saying New King David, just make sure people caught that. Because so I do say that was great. So in John, we've got a new creation, we've got a new Genesis. And so just as at the beginning, God said, Let there be light. So also at the precipice of this new creation, God says, let there be light. And, uh, and the light is the arrival of the sun. Yeah,
2: yeah because the, the um, Genesis itself begins with Bereshit in Hebrew, Bereshit bar elohim. In the beginning, God created. Uh, and then he goes on, the heavens and the earth. Um, and in John's gospel, it says, Anarchein halagos, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. And in Matthew's gospel, same thing. Matthew presents the book of Genesis, the Biblos Genesias, the book. It can be translated, the book of the birth of Jesus Christ. It's it's literally the book of the Genesis of Jesus Christ. He uses the word absolutely deliberately Uh because this is a new Genesis. And what we have to understand is in the storyline of the Bible is one of the loss and restoration of the presence of God and a relationship with God. And so therefore, uh, when god's plan was ruined by our rebellion if god is going to restore he has to recreate right he has to bring it back to his original creation and and take the impurity and the darkness out of it and so he, he that requires a new creation and the new creation the new genesis comes with the birth of jesus christ which is why jesus is described as the second adam Uh, It's why Paul talks about we are a new creation in Christ. These are really important themes in the New Testament. And so here in John's gospel, he picks up the idea of light going back to Genesis. And as you go through and into the story, which we'll probably get into, of the blind man uh, healed at the pool of Siloam, um, the uh, Pharisees, Uh, the teachers of the law the religious establishment are presented actually as being the really blind ones they're truly the ones that are in darkness the people who you know the blind man who gets healed was physically blind but it turns out spiritually he could see the pharisees who could physically see turn out to be spiritually blind and by the end of the story the whole of the tables are turned from what they were at the beginning of the story.
1: Yeah. I want to go back, and I do want to get into that story. I want to go back to something you said, David, about the last two chapters um, put, put it being the bookend to the first two chapters um, in Genesis and Revelation. One of the distinctives between the beginning and the end is the presence of night versus the absence of night. So in the beginning, God said, let there be light, and then he separated the light from the darkness. Now, am I correct in thinking that the the presence of darkness there at the beginning is uh, symbolic of, uh, or maybe like a foreshadowing of what's about to happen um, in terms of Adam and Eve's fall into sin? And does that connect into the edit of the Bible revelation where it's not that there's now a, a, uh, a separation of light and darkness, that that's not it. It's that there's no darkness. There is no night. Um, so in the beginning there's light, but there's also darkness, but in the end there's no darkness at all. There's, there's just light. Yeah.
2: Of course the difference is that you've got a physical creation a physical cosmos where there's bound to be darkness as well as light versus an eternal creation where the darkness is banished. Um, but, but I, th- I, so I think that, that out of the sort of chaos uh, of the initial creation, God fashions something which brings his life. Um, and, and, bringing light into the darkness is part of what he's fashioned, such that even in the darkness, there's still light, because the the stars are still, the moon is there, the stars are shining, and so on. So there's still light, even in the darkness. And, um,
1: but but even by- before God made the stars in the sky, there was light. Right? Because the, the, the lights in the sky, the stars, the sun, the moon, whatever... That was that was what what day four that was later in creation. God makes light on day one.
2: I'd have to go back. You know, Professor John Lennox, from Oxford University, has written a marvelous book on the seven uh, days of creation. That's not I mean, the exact title of it, but if you look up John Lennox's Seven Days, um, you'll you'll find it, and he explains all that. But he's got uh, a multitude of degrees in sciences. Uh, uh, certainly more than I've got, and I'm not going to try to fish out of my memory how he explained that. But it's fascinating how he does. But There's I mean, the point the point still remains right. that all light comes from God, right? And that you know, in in the original creation, that the the um, you know they the, the let there be light, the creation of light um, is a sign of hope. It's what makes life possible, and uh, then Jesus uh, is the light of the world. He's come to restore the, You know the 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 light of the, the uh, lampstand in the tabernacle, and then in the temple, represents the tree of life in the garden, uh, with no. it, its its fashioned like a tree. That and so the the uh, holy of holies in the tabernacle and the temple are designed as a miniature replica of the Garden of Eden. That's why Good. you've got the pomegranates and the gourds and so on that are in there. as uh, as well as the, um, well the lampstand representing the tree of light. So um, uh, that light uh, in, the, in the Holy of Holies symbolizes the fact that the, you know the, the light hasn't gone out, that there's still light it's prophetically pointing forward to something that is yet to come, which Mm -hmm. they can understand what it was, but, you know, and same like the pillar of fire, uh, uh, you know, it gets fulfilled in a way at Pentecost with the tongues of fire, and all Mm -hmm. these things have a fulfillment in in Christ, who is the light of the world, and then because of what Christ has done, it leads on to the eternal New Jerusalem, where there's no darkness at all. Mm -hmm.
1: And I wonder... I could be completely out to lunch on this, but I, I wonder if in the beginning, there's the separation of light of dark um, and rather than the total banishing of darkness and just light um, because you have Satan, like where's the devil in this whole hmm. scene in this picture? Um, because as far as I understand, he doesn't just appear out of nowhere once we, once we get to the temptation scene. Uh, with Adam and Eve, um, and so mankind has a choice to make: Are they going to love and obey God, or are they going to disobey God and love themselves, um, or love themselves, you know, as a priority over loving and serving God? And they make the wrong choice, and so they enter into the well, what Paul says in Colossians: the the domain of darkness, the kingdom of darkness. And then along comes Jesus, and Jesus, as uh, David pointed out in our last episode, is the second Adam. And so he, there's a, there's an, another choice here being made, and so Jesus is tempted, and he he chooses correctly. He chooses obedience to the Father rather than disobedience, loving self-sacrifice, um, and so he succeeds where Adam and Eve fail. And one of that ties in 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 some way to the end of the book, where there's not just the separation of light and darkness. There's just light because the choice has been made, mm. and so now darkness has been overcome. Darkness has been defeated, and now darkness has been put away for good. Um, and he who is light and has and as as a man has chosen light, right. um, now is the light in which he live. So, so are you saying that the separation of
0: light and dark at the very beginning was also maybe symbolic or prophetic of the choice that we are then faced with that we can choose jesus or we can choose the way of darkness but at the very end we the choice has been made through jesus christ
1: i'm saying that in the beginning we failed we chose darkness right and then christ chose chose light and so he he overcomes he succeeds where we failed and so his success is attributed to us now whether or not that should be read into Genesis. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just waxing poetic right. about it, and you know, I'm sure there's probably a Bible scholars who would listen to that and like he's crazy. Doesn't know he's talking about, but um, it is interesting to me how in the beginning there is the option of darkness, mm. but in the end there is not. Darkness has is... been put away for good. I don't know, David. Step me straight. Correct me. What do you think?
2: Well, no, I I agree. I mean, it's the the light and darkness theme runs all through the Bible, and right, the, well, you know, it, you it, with everything in the Bible, you've got to connect the beginning, the middle, and the end, right? Um, which is the first creation, uh, the second creation in Christ, and the sort of eternal new creation. This is those three things. Me... God sends Christ to restore what was there in the first place. But to make it even better, and so this theme of light runs all the way through.
1: Yeah, it would it would seem surprising to me if Moses, you know, did not have this theme of light and darkness in mind, yeah. you know, here when he records the beginning, um, especially since light and darkness is going to play such a major role in the story of Israel. Yeah. I mean, even in the pillar of fire. Uh, at the Exodus that stood between the Egyptians and the Israelites. And it it caused light because of the cloud, it caused light to shine on Israel and darkness to be over Egypt. And so as, even at the the very uh genesis of their story right. of exiting slavery and entering that theme's there. That theme is there. Um and so and what's what's the choice that that Israel is always wanting to make in the wilderness? Well, slavery wasn't so bad. Should, should we come back? We keep wanting to go back to darkness, and God is wanting to bring us into light. And of course, you know we all know the story of Israel—they fatal. but Christ comes to succeed. And because of His success, because He chose rightly, um, darkness is put away for good for all those who believe. Okay. That's what I'm saying. I I feel good enough about that to where I would preach that.
0: <laughs> You're technically preaching it on this podcast. <laughs> Uh, I, I if, you, if we have nothing more to talk about on that kind of the background and uh, theological thread across the Bible regarding light, I want to take it back to that passage in John, okay? Because I, I think it's 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 interesting that uh, specifically John chapter nine, John chapter nine, where he um, says, "While I am in the world, I am the light of the world." And right after saying that, he healed the blind man. Right? I'm just brought to ask that what. Well, well, what's the significance of saying that before you then heal the blind? I'm sure that there's there's something that we can pull out of that. It's significant. Well, because, there's
2: a there's a, because there's a close uh, link between the spiritual and the physical. Yeah, you know, so that Jesus, you know, your back got healed not by not at random or some fluke, uh, yeah. or because you know we're we're running some kind of magic show at church. But your back got healed because it's an expression of the love of God, the kingdom of God, breaking into this world where the Bible says the leap will lame for joy and the blind will see. You know, Isaiah prophesized that in connection with the coming of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So the physical miracles are actual manifestations of the arrival of the kingdom of God. Why? Because they're all about restoration. They're all about life. They're all about, you know, reversing the curse. And even though it doesn't happen, Shut so- up in this life. Sorry?
1: So I was just pretending to speak in tongues. Whenever somebody says reversing the curse, it just makes nice them out speaking tongues.
2: Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, well, but that's
1: that's no, what that's, Jesus, <laughs>
2: that's what Jesus I was just gonna carry on. But that's what Jesus is doing.
1: <laughs>
2: he is reversing the curse and 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 the kingdom of God comes in and people start getting healed. And this blind man who is and of course the the Jewish theology of the day was that there has got to be sin in, in his life right. that he was born blind or in the life of his parents. And even the story reveals, if you read it, that even the disciples believed that, you know, oh. which is incredible to me. Like These guys were around Jesus, you know, and, and they still part of them believed in this kind of vindictive God, that even though, you know, Jesus must have really been a patient man. That's all I can in- say. And um, that yeah, he puts up with us, I guess. So, mm-hmm. But anyway, you know, and, and he says, no, no, he says neither. You know, that's what Jew- Jewish theology, or at least a lot of Jewish rabbinic theology, believe that kind of thing. It was a popular belief, and the disciples had taken it on board as well. And Jesus said, no, no, this has all happened so that the works of God may be displayed. In right. other words, everything is for the sovereignty of God. God can take the worst situation and bring good out of it that's really an important pastoral thing you know yeah. to 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 reassure people with you no know, matter when a tragedy happens or something bad that god you know didn't cause that but he ha- he can bring good out of anything if we yield to him and so this guy obviously his heart was open because <clears throat> when jesus puts the mud and that's interesting isn't it because there's genesis all over again
1: just going to say yeah. What happens well,
2: in Genesis? It's uh, God creates the man out of the mud, the dirt right. of the earth, yeah. and, uh, and 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 brings
1: and He brings light out of chaos,
2: and He brings, he brings light, light, light out of, a light out of darkness. Yeah. And so here, it's happening again. Jesus is taking the mud; it's symbolic of it. He's taking people back to the the original creation. Let there be light, and Jesus, of course, identifying with his father as divine, um, it, it issues this basically the same kind of thing, let there be light. He's putting himself in the place of God. And then he, he sends this man off to the pool of Siloam. Well, that was the Hebrew word Shiloah. And if you go back to Genesis, I think chapter 49, it talks about um, the, the that's a messianic reference, that when Shiloah comes, uh, that's the mes- coming of the Messiah. And Shiloh comes from the Hebrew word meaning sent. And so the Messiah is the one who's sent. So Jesus sends him to the pool of the sent one, to the pool of the prophesied Messiah of Genesis 49. That's where Jesus, I mean, Jesus could have done it right on the, the spur of the moment. He didn't need the guy to go and wash the mud off in the pool, but it had massive prophetic significance. The pool did. Because what he's saying is, um, that's the place. Uh, It's the place of the Messiah, the prophesied Messiah. It's now fulfilled, folks. You've been believing until Shiloh comes for about 1,500 years or something or longer. And now this is the moment Shiloh has come. The Messiah has come. And the kingdom of God is here. So it's a, there's just an incredible amount of depth to this story, and yet at the end of it, the Pharisees, well, don't we are we blind too? That's all that that's all that that's their feeble response. And Jesus says, well, if you admitted you are blind, there'd be hope for you. But because you still, after all this, say you're still fine, you don't need me, you can see, then you really are blind. He reverses the tables. The man that was blind gets sight. Those that were that had sight become blind.
0: David, thank you for sharing that. I think that brings a lot more understanding to specifically the context of why Jesus had said, "I am the light of the world," right before yeah. he he made man. a healing about blindness. Yeah, and that was even specific. Uh, and I'm very still specific, struck
1: by the 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 new creation yeah. um, element of it as well. I think that's amazingly insightful. The mud on the eyes. Um, is is so compelling and how he even going back to that question of like why was this man born blind you know? yeah uh why is there chaos why is there darkness well just to show the light of god just to exactly why does god allow these things to happen right so that he can display his his glory awesome um, his redemptive power wow. through it so um yeah amazing jesus is the light of the, the world. world i think as like a practical application uh, just as we wrap up the conversation, one of the things that life speaks to is um, direction, guidance, walking down the right path. Mm-hmm. Um, your word is a lamp unto my feet. Um, even going back to the picture of uh, the fire of God leading Israel out of slavery, yeah. so down the path of freedom. I think what Christians can expect uh, when they follow Jesus is that Jesus leads them uh, out of dark things yeah uh, he leads us out of sinful things um he even leads us not to say that your life will always be all the ducks in a row but he leads us out of chaos yeah um and he leads us out of uh the harvest of our foolishness yeah. <laughs> and our our stupidity into um lives that are marked by by peace right um and so i, I think that that's a compelling reason to follow christ yeah all jesus um which direction and purpose you will yes out of certain out of things something. um we can all get direction you know in, in life and where we want to go what we ought to do but a, a lot of the time we are we're reaping the harvest of the seeds that we've sown mm. um not realizing that a lot of the issues in our lives we are the common denominator for mm. we are the cause for and yet when we live according to the light of god's word yeah. made flesh and his written word to us, um, that leads us into a new way of living that reaps a different kind of yeah.
0: harvest. I think even it's interesting you called uh, light direction and I, I hearken back to the the star that guided um, mm. the, the wise men mm-hmm. to Jesus. And so it's not just that the light guides us out of something, but the, the light also guides us into something. And I think maybe I'm just reading into this, or I'm just looking at the poetic uh, nature of it, which is the light guides them ultimately to Jesus, who is the light of the world. Mm-hmm. So, not just light bringing us out of darkness, but light bringing us into itself in Jesus.
1: Yeah, well, I think you're talking about there the is that prevenient grace, David, the work of the Holy Spirit that leads us to Christ Himself? Yeah. Um, the light of God that leads us to the light of God, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, so,
0: well, closing thoughts, David, practical application of the revelation that Jesus is the light of the world.
2: The one thing comes to me, he always meets us in the darkness. Uh, mm. That's where we are without Christ. He met Stark. me in my darkness, he met you in your darkness. And uh, I feel that, you know, even as believers in Christ, we need to know and encourage one another that he's still meeting us in our darkness. Because we don't need to know that God is with us when things are going great. When, when we need to know that the Lord is still with us is when things are, are tough. Right. And, um, and I always encourage people and I encourage myself when I'm going through times of darkness, um, Lord, just give me a sign. It can be a small thing, but something definite that just says you're still with me. Of course, hey, no. he is still with me. But in my fallenness and weakness, I need to know that and uh it's an encouragement to me that god does meet us in the darkness he's still there as we you know go on this journey in in a in in a darkened world where we come across things and go through things that are quite difficult that he's still there to turn the light on and yeah praise god for that
0: awesome well thank you so much that was such an amazing conversation on the i am statement i am the light of the world We will be continuing this series over the next few weeks, and we are so excited for even more fruitful conversations around this topic. But thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. We hope you have an amazing week, and we'll see you next time.